Hello and welcome to the Transfer Window, the only podcast that brings you the news before it becomes news. And we also, of course, give you insight and analysis into all the subjects you're talking about in football. I mean, McGarvey, and with me as always is the transfer guru, uh, Duncan Castles. Uh, on today's pod, we will be speaking about Manchester City, Inter Milan, Barcelona, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, Liverpool, as well as others on our agenda. Duncan, we start, and I must admit, personally, I'm quite sad about this, but almost the end of an era at Manchester City with confirmation, which, of course, we did flag up to our listeners uh, in a podcast before last Christmas that Sergio Aguero's contract would not be renewed at the Etihad. And, of course, that was confirmed uh, this week by uh, Manchester City officials and by Aguero himself with regards to his imminent departure this summer. 32 and the club's highest goal scorer on record. It does seem somewhat abrupt, however. Uh, Aguero wants to pursue new opportunities and Duncan, as you've said in the past, he and Pep Guardiola don't always see eye to eye with regards to style of play, although that did change when Aguero uh, put himself uh, into a situation where he worked harder in terms of the high press and tracking back. Um, it's a big boots to fill, even if in the last two seasons, Aguero has not been as prolific as he was in his first eight seasons at the club. What do you think this is going to do, Duncan, in terms of City's um, makeup? Because uh, clearly, they're going to have to look to replace him. Um, in fact, they are they struggle uh, in terms of strikers and uh, Guardiola has taken to playing false nine. Albeit, of course, they're in a very demanding and commanding position in the Premier League in terms of winning it. Uh, they still don't have Aguero's scoring might uh, that they've depended upon for so many years and four Premier League titles. Yeah, look, this is something they've been preparing for for some time. And, and as we've discussed in the podcast, it's a very, very important recruitment decision for them because um, strikers are expensive. Uh, and you're replacing someone who's had a decade of service at Manchester City, broke uh, a host of records, currently stands in 257 goals and 340. 84 games, four Premier League titles about to become five, uh, five League Cups maybe about to become six and one FA Cup. The only thing he hasn't done at Manchester City is win the Champions League, which um, arguably you can say was the principal reason, um, ultimate reason for buying him. Um, and one of those very successful transfers that Abu Dhabi made, they came in, they said, we want to buy the best possible players we can get on the market. 
um, and we will pay whatever it takes to get them to come in. And, and Aguero is one of those alongside um, Yaya Toure um, who have transformed the club um, and, and built the framework in which you can bring someone like Pep Guardiola in to, to try and finish the job. You can convince Chiki Bergiristan to come in and, and continue the transfer process. And yeah, this is a big test for Chiki Bergiristan because he has to identify um, the striker who can replace Aguero, um, provide those goals, fit into the system. There are plenty of strikers on the market this summer. Um, we've highlighted that there's likely to be a lot of movement in that in that area of the field. Um but not necessarily an obvious fit. And we told you that Erling Haaland is on their recruitment list, as he is on the recruitment list of just about every big club in Europe. But it's not a simple process of saying we will go and and spend the money required. And and I note in the past week that Dortmund have signalled that the, the asking price they want for Haaland is 180 million euros. I think not coincidentally the same amount of money that um, Paris Saint-Germain signed Kylian Mbappe for um, a few years ago. Um, it's not a simple process of going for the youngest player who scores lots of goals. You have to get someone who fits into that system. And we did a pod recently talking about how Dortmund have not been convinced that their team as a whole have actually improved by having Haaland in it, despite the, the almost ludicrous numbers he's put up um, while being part of the team, they're struggling struggling in the Bundesliga and um, struggling at the moment to qualify for the Champions League. So not an easy decision. I think also what won't be an easy decision is where Aguero goes next. And I think you have some information on the offers and, uh, and uh, possibilities that are open to him um, and that he hasn't yet made a decision on what he's going to do next season. No, Duncan, that's correct. He did have the opportunity to leave in January. It is our understanding at the Transfer Window podcast that uh, he was informed uh, in January that his contract would not be renewed in the summer. Uh, therefore, this is not uh, the kind of surprise stroke shock announcement that I think a lot of people um, have been taken in by. Uh, however, Aguero opted to stay uh, at Manchester City in order to see the season out, give himself the opportunity to win more trophies. Of course, they're still in the market for four of those. Uh, and of course, the Champions League being the one more than most that he covets, uh, as well as obviously <laughs> the owners of Manchester City uh, being that and, and Guardiola himself. However, um, he does have interest from Inter Milan and from Barcelona. Uh, a player of his reputation uh, can command uh, obviously a move to some of the biggest clubs however um, he will have to take a pay cut in the post pandemic or current pandemic situation uh, the salary earns at City uh, is very unlikely to be replicated elsewhere I don't think that's a problem for Aguero Obviously, he has a good relationship with Leo Messi. Uh, that could be a, a factor if he wanted to move to Camp Nou, if Messi was going to stay there. 
although there's nothing certain about that. Uh, interestingly, and again, we did report this on the transfer window, uh, Paulo Dybala, uh, his contract negotiations with Juventus in terms of extension have broken down, and he could well be the like-for-like replacement for Aguero uh, at City. However, uh, Aguero himself uh, needs to make a decision. Obviously, he could return to his home country of Argentina and play for the likes of Boca Juniors uh, there. But I'm not sure he's quite ready to do that, given that he is, as I said, 32 years old. Um, There are players playing... uh, until much uh, longer in their careers, um, beyond 32. Look at Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for instance. And um, I think he'll stay in Europe. I think if they don't, Manchester City don't win the Champions League at the end of this season, then uh, Aguero will go to a club where he believes he has the opportunity uh, or the best opportunity to uh, win a Champions League before leaving Europe and going back to Argentina. So the question, um, I think, for City is, as I said, who replaces them? You know, they have done well um, to survive without his prolific goal scoring during his time of injury and illness uh, in the last two seasons. However, they must now make an investment, a significant investment, in a replacement. I mean, Gabriel Jesus, I don't think is trusted uh, 100% by Guardiola. If he was, then he wouldn't be playing Kevin De Bruyne at a false nine uh, in several games, as well as other players uh, who have been trusted to score goals for City. So this is a Manchester City side who, you're right, Duncan, look like they're going to win the Premier League title. But Guardiola, more than anyone, knows that you must strengthen from a position of strength. If he is going to see out that extension to his contract, then he will demand uh, a proper replacement and a proper number nine uh, to play in his system. Dybala, I think, would be a good fit. Would you agree with that? I th- think Dybala is one of those those players who who is on the market. Juventus um, have not been able to get a, a new contract deal with him, and if they can't get him on the terms that appeal to them after a very disappointing season by their standards, then uh, he will be a player who will be for sale at um, at, at a knockdown price. And yeah, there there are elements of of uh, of his stylistic play that you would say would fit into to Guardiola's system. Um, on Aguero, um, he has that offer um, to Barcelona, i.e. he's been proposed to Barcelona. Um, we told you a few weeks ago in the podcast that Barcelona, while interested, do not see him as first choice for the position and that uh, Ronald Koeman wants to bring Memphis Depay in um, also in a free transfer on on significantly lower wages instead. Um, obviously Koeman has got his wish um, to sign Gini Wijnaldum. Um, story we reported I think on last week's podcast that there's a pre-contract agreement um, between the Liverpool and Netherlands midfielder in Barcelona. Again, that's Koeman um, signing that someone he tried to get last summer. I'm told there is also discussions with Paris Saint-Germain um, over Aguero moving there. 
um, and yes, enter, um, but um, that he is not particularly minded to go to Syria A at present. And also there's an issue with Inter's finances. I mean, 102 million euro loss they declared in their most recent accounts uh, with substantial debts to pay off. And and their parent company, Suning, now talking about bringing other investors in um, to try and make up for the money that they cannot are or are not being allowed to put into enter by the Chinese government. Um, information is that he hasn't made a decision yet. Um, what would be fun is if um, Manchester City are now are getting into a habit of uh, of uh, commissioning statues for their long servant players. Would give um, Aguero the choice of where he had his uh, statue installed. Perhaps in in Gary Neville's back garden would be a would be a good choice for for Sergio. I'd love it. I'd absolutely love it if that happened, <laughs> in the words of Kevin Keegan. <laughs> Not sure Gary ever would, but uh, perhaps as a corner of his very extensive garden that they could find that he wouldn't have to look at it every day. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, statues of uh, David Silva, Vincent Company and Aguero now have been commissioned um, in order to honour those players for their service and, of course, uh, the fact that they have been integral to City's success in the past decade. A player who Manchester City may be interested in but may not be able to get is one Harry Kane, the Tottenham Hotspur England captain, uh, gave a quite a, a, an intriguing uh, interview um, while he was with England in which he said that he would not consider his own future until after the Euros uh, this summer because he wanted to focus completely on the rest of Spurs' season and indeed on England. It is our information that Kane is seriously considering moving away from Tottenham Hotspur and as a result other clubs have been in touch with his representatives. We understand that the one which is most attractive at this moment in time is Barcelona. Barcelona are a team who um, are are behind in La Liga and uh, who are experiencing by their standards a bit of a poor season. Um, the sale of Luis Suarez to Atletico Madrid, now, given his uh, record at uh, the Metropolitano looks like a, a poor bit of business on their part. And of course, they managed to very much annoy uh, their superstar talisman, Leo Messi, in selling Suarez, his very good friend and neighbour. Uh, and so with Real Madrid hunting down um, both Kylian Mbappe and Erling Haaland having not invested heavily in the last two windows and looking to obviously regain their status as the number one club in Spain uh, are expected to at least sign one of those two players. We understand Kane is third on that list of strikers for Real Madrid, but that Barcelona and their second 
uh, term of their president, Joan Laporta, uh, understands that he must make a statement signing and sees Kane as one that he might be able to persuade given that uh, Madrid are more interested in Mbappe and Haaland. Therefore, with Kane's um, interest in leaving Tottenham in order to pursue trophies, and also, of course, uh, Kane has never hidden his loyalty to Spurs, uh, he would probably prefer not to play against them um, in the Premier League, and certainly Chairman Daniel Levy would prefer absolutely not to sell Kane to a main rival in the Premier League because he knows the wrath that that might bring from his own supporters uh, as well uh, as being the case that he, he could not justify it. Now, the big problem here, Duncan, in terms for Kane, that is, is the, the price tag. We know that Daniel Levy, we've discussed it many times, is a very, very hard negotiator. Uh, he's been quoted privately as saying that he expects £150 million for Kane should he leave. At 27, Kane is in the prime of his career. Um, he currently earns around £130,000 a week, which is, obviously to the rest of us, that's a lot of money. But in terms of Premier League footballers and the top paid players, that's actually not that much. Now, Barcelona, as we know, and we have reported, have serious money concerns with regards to debts that need to be repaid, uh, with regards to the fact that Laporta, uh, as Graham Hunter told us, um, won the election on the basis that he opened up lines of credit worth around 300 million euros and possibly more. Kane's purchase would obviously be expensive. However, it would be also uh, in installments. Therefore, Barca would not be required to pay the full amount up front. Uh, so therefore, doing the deal itself is not impossible and it would be much more possible if Kane agreed to uh, not uh, take the remaining uh, compensation on his contract, i.e. asked for a transfer. And in doing so, the club would save uh, at least £20 million, uh, probably more than that uh, in terms of what they would need to pay him either to leave or also if he stayed. So, uh, Duncan, it's, it's a... <sighs> This is the eternal question with Kane, isn't it? It seems that every time he gets linked with a, uh, another club, whether it's in England or elsewhere, um, Spurs give him a new contract. It's true, and they've, they've been uh, very astute at retaining him at the club and making him central to their plan. And, and when he's fit, because this is the issue with Kane, is the persistent um, ankle ligament issues that have cost him substantial amount of playing time over several seasons now when he's fit he's he's fundamental and and becoming more and more important and becoming I think a more rounded player um, and I think that's something that will be attractive to Barcelona is the way he's adapted his game to not just be a number nine but to be a playmaker um, I think he has 13 assists in in 27 Premier League games this season um, 
two assists in five Europa League games and that on top of the 20 goals he scored in those two competitions. Um, he's, he has a, a range of ability that you could see fitting into a, a team like Barcelona if they were able to secure them. And, and you're right, Laporta is under pressure, um, to provide the supporters with a statement signing. Um, he, he has, uh, spent a lot of time trying to secure capital to deal with the, the short term um, debt payments that Barcelona face uh, and then um, create some to to spend in, in the market. Um, look, I think this adds to the pressure on Tottenham to try and qualify for the Champions League. That's what Jose Mourinho is being asked to do. And uh, another element of this is that Mourinho, in terms of planning for the summer transfer window, is is working on the basis that money um, to be spent on signings. And we we told you many months ago that he has been prioritising uh, improvement at centre back and in the centre midfield. Uh, money for those signings has to be raised from within uh, the current squad. Now, there is no doubt that Mourinho does not want to sell Harry Kane um, and. Uh, he has been very important in that change of of manner in which Kane has played, um, and and building a system where he he's creating goals as well as well as scoring goals. But if you're looking to raise money in the market to um, rebuild a squad, which it seems pretty clear does need quite substantial changes to um, to change their attitude and to change their performances on the field, something that's that. Pre- precedes Mourinho as a manager and something that Maurizio Pochettino talked very openly about before he lost his job there, then selling Kane is the one that's going to raise the most money. Um, That's not to say it is something that Mourinho, Levy or Tottenham want to do, but it is something that I think will will become more of a pressure point if they don't get Champions League football for next season. Interesting you say that, Duncan, because I, I did speak to a senior person in the recruitment department at the camp now, and they were specific about the fact that uh, their data analysis team had examined Kane's performances this season in particular. And the stats that they provided were very impressive with regards to not just assists, but to uh, passes completed, the way that he gets involved in a game, so so game involvement as well uh, as obviously the goals he scores, and that's convinced that the department, the recruitment department, that Kane, whereas maybe three years ago was seen as a kind of one-dimensional big English striker who got a lot of goals, is now more more of a complete player and can play in the Barcelona way. Uh, and therefore, the money that they would need to spend on him would be less of a risk and more value because he would be coming to play much more than just being the guy who, you know, sits in the six-yard box waiting for the ball to come to him. So uh, that, I think, is very interesting with regards to the possibility of Kane moving to La Liga. But I suppose my only doubt is that Kane has always been a bit of a homeboy and uh, and certainly a Tottenham um, man as well, and that uh, anything that he does will be weighed up against his family life 
and uh, his uh, experience of being a one-club man, etc. However, if he doesn't see trophies on the horizon at uh, Tottenham Hotspur, then that may be the thing that forces his hand. He has talked about his ambitions to to win trophies on a number of occasions, and he, you know, he's a, he's an older, he's a more, he's a far more mature individual. He comes across as someone who knows what he wants um, well now. So I think if you're if if it is part of his plans to play outside England, then um, you know once you have the interest from a club like Barcelona and and put potentially a window to do something, then it becomes um, a live discussion and, and, and something to to work your way into the window um, considering as as a potential option. Um, one thing on the recruitment side from Barcelona, I can tell you is that um, they will not um, be hiring Luis Campos as, as a recruitment specialist for the team. Um, I can tell you they had Laporta had multiple discussions with Campus before winning the presidency and uh, the idea was to bring him in and and use the recruitment skills which he um, he explained to us in some detail in a, in a recent podcast to uh, to spend that money that uh, Laporta has secured um, in the most effective way as part of the Barcelona rebuild. Um, Campus, I understand, is not happy and not convinced by the idea that he would work under a sporting chief executive with Laporta deciding to appoint Matteo Almani um, previously at Valencia as um, as a kind of member of the board who would head up a technical secretariat, including probably a technical director and other senior recruitment staff and that structure is uh, something that uh, has uh, convinced uh, Campus that the Barcelona um, project was the wrong one for the the next stage of his career. Well, perhaps if um, Tottenham win the Carabao Cup final in uh, three or four weeks' time, uh, Harry Kane can just retire happy, knowing that he's won a trophy uh, with Tottenham Hotspur. (laughs) That could make him happy. Who knows? Uh, we shall see. Uh, of course, we will bring you first news on Hurricane and any potential transfer, as always, on the Transfer Window podcast. News now, uh, which will concern, I think, Uh, or maybe excite, depends on your opinion. Liverpool fans, uh, a very disappointing season, given what they have achieved in the last two campaigns, uh, is probably going to bring them uh, maybe no trophies at all. But also, um, maybe problems, Duncan, with regards to keeping their best, well, I'd say players, but I'll just say player, because you have information that they are already looking for a replacement for one for one of probably or maybe their best player. Yeah, I, look, I, I'm not sure this is necessarily a problem for Liverpool. Um, something we've talked about in the podcast a lot that they are, they have got themselves in this position by signing players and and selling off their better players at the top of the market, um, preparing themselves 
with targets who they feel can come in and do as good a job and ultimately do a better job. They have discussions with players um, asking them what their long-term, medium-term intentions are. If they if they have a desire to play elsewhere, notify them of it so they can they can plan for this. And and I think the plan was always that Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane would be sold um, should the right bids come in for them um, at a time that suited Liverpool, at a time that suited the players. Um, they would get higher salaries. They'd get to play in another league, probably Spain. And Liverpool would buy a replacement in who could um, fit the system uh, and, and do the job well. Um, I don't think it's a secret that Salah and Jurgen Klopp don't have the easiest of relationships. You know, there have been issues between them. And um, that has affected slightly the way Liverpool play as a team and that Salah, for all his... Um, elite goal scoring and it, and his numbers remain exceptionally good this season. There are times when he doesn't contribute as much as would be liked in other f- areas of the game. Um, Salah has been setting up this move. People around him have been talking about the idea that that he would move. Um, he's given a couple of interviews in Spain where he's talked about the the attraction of playing at Spain in some point of it. His career was another one this week, which which wasn't quite as um, as strongly phrased, but um, he he still says, um, "Why not? Nobody knows what will happen in the future, so maybe one day." Um, when asked about playing in in Spain, now my information is that Liverpool have a budget to sign a striker who can also play wide in the summer window, um, and it's a substantial budget. And um, they're looking for a player of similar type to Mo Salah. Now, I'm not saying that means Salah is leaving. Um, I'm just saying that Liverpool are doing the preparatory work to sign a player of his type. And we've talked in recent podcasts about uh, the possibility that it's not just the Spanish clubs that would look at signing Salah. It's also Paris Saint-Germain who are in the market for another forward um, don't know what Kylian Mbappe is going to do um, and there is a you know an attraction within the ownership of the club um, the club being owned and run by Qatar to sign the most successful um, Arabic speaking player of, of his generation just ahead of um, their World Cup was it a bit galling for Jurgen Klopp given that he spent so much time working on Timo Werner's transfer, who's exactly that photo-fit player, um, only to see the club fail to pay the correct fee uh, or to offer the correct fee for Werner and then see him be taken from under their noses by Chelsea. And in fact, uh, two things which are also um, relevant here. Um, When you speak to football professionals and by that I mean coaches and psychologists etc etc quite a lot is made about body language and uh, I've seen Salah score you know he's now he's still top scorer in the Premier League I think of 17 or 18 goals and um, but he doesn't celebrate He, he, he looks he looks basically a little bit soured and uh, I wonder if that is significant. 
And obviously, Timo Werner, who would have been a perfect replacement, has been effectively ineffective for Chelsea uh, in terms of scoring. Uh, has been very sporadic in terms of his form as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I can see that particular situation um, with Salah becoming an issue for Liverpool. And uh, any ideas, Duncan, in terms of names that might replace Salah? Or is it too early for that? Well, going for Klopp or, or did he um, duck a car crash? Um, in the team of Werner. Exactly, how do you duck a car crash? <laughs> with, great, with great speed and agility. Um, it, it, given that Timo Werner did come to the Premier League, um, given that Chelsea paid a high price for him and high wages and a um, high agent's fee, um, there is an argument that, uh, that Liverpool made the right decision or Fenway Sport Group made the right decision in saying that the price, the total cost of the Werner deal was too expensive and they were better to wait for someone else. There's a counter argument that had Jurgen Klopp got the player who he'd spent so much time trying to recruit and who felt he would fit the Liverpool system um, and you put him in the Liverpool system, then he performs better. That's the, the kind of conundrum that, that's faced by recruitment specialists. It, it would be interesting, given that there's a sense that Werner would be made available on the market um, if Chelsea were able to secure a better replacement, and they're one of those many clubs um, chasing Erling Haaland at the moment. be interesting if Liverpool were to uh, to come back to that and and say, well, we'll take him and, uh, and we'll turn him into the player uh, you were unable to do, which, of course, has happened before with um, with a quite famous Liverpool forward who used to play for Chelsea. <laughs> Sorry. He was... I mean, you, you can't seriously be talking about Fernando Torres, who was an absolute tank at Chelsea. <laughs> no, I'm talking about Mohamed Salah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I think Liverpool have done the best out of their um, different uh, transactions with Chelsea regarding players moving between clubs because, uh, yeah, Torres remains one of the great enigmas at £50 million. Look, look, this is a test of Liverpool's recruitment, which has got a huge amount of credit for getting some deals spectacularly correct. Um, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, albeit Mane was someone they turned down when initially offered the player for a, for a cheaper fee before he moved to England. Allison, um, Andy Robertson. But if you look across the board of the recruitment that's been made in this period um, where the, the transfer committee has been in place, most of their deals, and we're excluding Andy Robertson here, are high transfer fee. Um, taking players who had established themselves as top performers at their clubs, who were taken from clubs where it was attainable to secure that player. If you put the money on the table, the club would sell. Roma will sell. Southampton will sell. If you meet their money, there's there's not a, you know, it's, you're not trying to take from a a peer level club who won't sell to a direct competitor. Those ones have worked spectacularly well, but across the board, there's been quite a lot of failures in there. Um, and this, I think, is going to be an interesting test 
of whether they can get the right name at the right price and be as successful as they have been in those, you know, those headline sales that turned them into Champions League winners and, and, and Premier League winners. Not sure that Marina Granovskaya at Chelsea is quite willing to um, swallow her pride and give up on Timo Werner uh, right at this moment in time. I suspect that, uh, uh, and also, of course, with uh, our friend Big Tam Tuchel in charge as well, um, he will want to retain an asset even uh, if he is misfiring, but uh, someone who clearly has a lot of talent and is young and can be coached um, and has a very good record in the Bundesliga. But it will be interesting to see what Liverpool do in terms of uh, if Salah wants to leave with regards to replacing him. Yeah, look at, and I think uh, another example of, of intelligent recruitment and clubs that in many ways been doing a better job than someone like Liverpool or they're operating in a, in a different end of the market is Leipzig. And Leipzig this week um, signed Mohamed Simakan um, from the French League for a fee of less than 15 million euros. So they basically brought in, before the transfer window even opens, a replacement for uh, Diet Tupamecano, who's going to Bayern Munich, and possibly for Ibrahim Kanati, who's um, been identified as a potential signing for Liverpool, um, is available for a 40 million release clause and is being pushed to, to the club. Now, Simakan. From people I talk to, he's considered the best young defender in the in the French league and probably ready to go to the the Premier League. Um, again, recruitment specialists I've talked to, they think he's a better player than Canati. So you're you're looking at Leipzig again, um, picking up top young talent on the market early and then selling the players that they bought um, a couple of years previously at a lower. Um, fee from the other leagues in Europe and then taking banking a substantial profit and probably improving their team. Um, I think that's the kind of deal which Premier League clubs regularly miss out on and, and Simakan I think would have been be interesting if he would, if he could go straight to Liverpool and play. Suggestion is he probably could. Um, certainly would, would be an option for a club like Tottenham um, who are desperate to improve at centre back and need someone quick and and capable on the ball, um, I think he would have been a very good option for Manchester United, who are looking for a quick centre back who's good on the ball to try and solve the infamous Harry Maguire problem. But where's he going? He's going to Leipzig, and what we will see is if you know, barring major injury, um, I think we will see him being a target for Premier League clubs probably within a year. Um, but certainly in two, three years' time, he will move most likely to a Premier League club or to one of the big clubs in Spain for a multiple of the transfer fee that, that Leipzig have, uh, have picked him up for this week. On that subject, Duncan, it was great to see Harry Maguire being refloated in the Suez Canal uh, today um, and uh, traffic moving more freely uh, from Asia to Europe as a result. Um, I'm sure Gareth Southgate was also um, relieved to have his centre back. The greatest uh, greatest three point turn in history, as someone described it on Twitter today. <laughs> you should really give credit to that person. <laughs> I've forgotten their name. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Harry Maguire, was it? <laughs> 
So this is the first podcast of the week, which means here we're in villain time. Uh, Duncan, I'm going to hand over you to give us your villain before I do a hero. Uh, villain this week, I think a combination of UEFA and FIFA uh, for not having the basics of goal line technology in place in the World Cup qualifiers. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy that, that we don't have VAR in that and I would rather not have VAR in, in any level of football, but I, I find it bizarre that FIFA pushes and pushes and pushes these changes um, and, and refuses to accept their problems with VAR and has the rules of the game rewritten to try and make VAR work, but they don't have mandatory goal line technology in European World Cup qualifiers and, you know, very obvious example of of how that system which is reliable straightforward very effective only rarely rarely does it have a an error was the portugal serbia game where cristiano ronaldo scores a winner in uh, in the final minutes of the game which was substantially over the goal line um linesman and referee don't see it portugal end up drawing with serbia and uh, and the referees forced to make a, an apology to uh, Portugal as a nation and to the federation and to Cristiano Ronaldo in the days after the game. One of the greatest saves since Roy Carroll clawed the ball back from three and a half feet in, uh, over the line for Manchester United against Tottenham. Um, certainly uh, one of the high points of the Premier League era, era I should say. Uh, that was uh, that was old Trafford gold line technology as... Uh, as devised Fergie, and, and Fergie operated by Fergie. Alex <laughs> <Yes. laughs> <Alex> Ferguson, yes. <laughs> Can you imagine Fergie being a VAR? It'd be sensational. <laughs> okay, so my hero is a, a very obvious one because uh, he has lit up the English Premier League for a decade and been a great asset to uh, English football as well as to Manchester City and, of course, that is Sergio Aguero, record goal scorer for the club, but also a good lad, but uh, more importantly, um, scorer of brilliant goals and very important goals. So the Transfer Window Podcast's hero of this week is the one and only Sergio Aguero. This has been the first podcast of the week where, of course, we have brought you the news before it becomes news. If you like us uh, and you like the podcast, leave us a rating and a review on all social media platforms at Transfer Podcast. That's Instagram and, of course, on Twitter. You can uh, listen to us on YouTube uh, and you will get notifications as well when you turn on them and YouTube. Uh we will leave you until later in the week when we will return with another pod. Until then, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening. <laughs>